Well, as I said in the announcements, today is our final message in the uh, summer concert message series. And um, I have had a lot of fun doing this. For those of you who don't know, every I think I mentioned this in the beginning of this whole series, uh, every summer I usually have an opportunity to go hang out in a field with a bunch of other people camping and listening to great music and musicians and, and speakers and just doing all that at Creation Fest. And we've not been able to do that for a number of years. And so this was kind of my way of bringing Creation Fest uh, into our lives a little bit. But more than that, I've really enjoyed the messages. I've enjoyed uh, crafting them and just pouring over them, praying about them and writing them. I hope you have too. I've had a lot of fun uh, building this series. Um, next week, we're actually going to kick off a new series. I wish I could say that I'm as excited about that series as I was about this one. Um, I am excited to bring the series to you, uh, but the topic is a lot heavier. We're actually going to start talking about trauma. And I've been doing some research in this area and just learning that we are all going through trauma. There's not one of us who's untouched by uh, the likes of trauma. And so I think it's an important issue for us. The more I talk with colleagues, the more I listen to healthcare professionals, it's clear to me uh, that we're going through this, uh, this difficult time, the COVID, the, the pandemic. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've said this, I said, if COVID was an earthquake, then I believe that trauma is the tsunami that comes after the storm. And I do believe that, that, co that the trauma is something that we're not necessarily able to see. We're seeing little bits and pieces of it. But I do believe that trauma is going to hit our shores. And uh, we want to be ready for that. And so we're going to be looking at trauma over the next couple of weeks, starting next week. And um, obviously, this is a relatable topic. There's no one who's untouched by this issue. And so if there's someone in your life who you think would benefit, then I encourage you, ask them to come join you to church, to online church, you know, come join you for church or, uh, you know, come listen to the messages. Again, if you get the podcast on the app, you can very easily just share it with your friends, just like you would share anything else. And you can say, hey, listen to this, because I think that this issue of trauma goes far beyond the walls of Wayne Presbyterian Church. It is something uh, that we are dealing with as a nation and as a world. And so we're going to be starting that next week. Um, like I said, that starts off the case off next week. But this week, we are indeed closing out our uh, series on the concert message series that we've been doing. And so here now is a very uplifting and fun song by um, Kirk Franklin and Torn Wells called Millionaire, Good Like That. Here you go. If I had a dollar for every time they say God, what I'm going to come to, I'd be a millionaire. If I had a dollar for every time they say, God, what I'm gonna come through, I'd be a millionaire. Oh, uh. <laughs> come on. Mine was about to lose my mind, but God came right on time. He made a way out, no way. Yeah. And uh. I thought it was the end, but He stepped in again and made a way. Against the wall 
guys I'm out here talking and having a great time so all right let me back up so first of all I want to let you know I've been enjoying these songs so what I just said a moment ago is if you have a chance please go to YouTube and watch this video for this particular song it is just uplifting and it is uh, just a lot of fun so uh, I've been enjoying this as I said it's been a great series for us to be able to do so uh, take a moment and, and do that please if you uh, if you have a moment it's a great song to watch uh, second of all what I'm saying is as I was uh, looking at this message and uh, getting ready with this song, I went and I found a devotion this past week on hope. And the message uh, was written by a guy who was a military man, actually. He was writing about hope and his experience of being through wars and all of that. And the author gave a really good definition of anxiety. And what he said in his definition, he said, anxiety is based on something that is unexplainable. He said, unlike fear, fear, which may or may not have its root cause in something that is explainable, anxiety is fear about something that might happen in the future. 
And I've been thinking about that ever since I read it, that anxiety, the anxieties we fear and the anxieties we face, they are based on the unexplainable things that might happen in the future. They're not based on reality of our moment. We're afraid of what might come. And I thought, what an interesting uh, distinction for him to make. Because all of us deal with anxiety in different ways. We all deal with anxiety in different ways. But uh, some of us, some of us, when we face anxiety, uh, we face it in, in, and it overwhelms us, and others of us process it in different ways. Uh, we all deal with anxiety in different ways, but all of us at some point are going to face uncertainty. Every single one of us will face uncertainty. None of us knows what the future holds, and that typically scares us. We get anxious about our jobs. We get anxious about our families. We get anxious about our money. We get anxious about interacting with people or being alone, about leaving our houses, about the impact of COVID. There are so many things that we're uncertain about, and it brings about our anxiety. Anxiety is a fear about something that might happen in the future. But anxiety is also a, a, a fear that we have because of something that has happened to us in our past. Right? Anxiety is a fear about something that might happen in the future, but it's based on what has happened to us in our past. None of us are born with anxiety. We're not born with that. Anxiety is a learned behavior. And, and we might be predisposed to anxiety. Some of us might be more anxious than others. That's true. But anxiety is born out of our past because of something that's happened to us. We're afraid of what might happen to us in the future. In today's song, Torn Wells and Kirk Franklin, they're dancing around and they're singing their song and they say, if I had a dollar for every time they said God wasn't going to come through, I'd be a millionaire. And they go off and they just keep singing this over and over, this refrain, which is just so upbeat. How many of us would be millionaires if, if we listened to the voices, if the voices that were inside of our head were telling us that God wasn't going to come through? How many of us would be millionaires if we listened to the voices that are out there telling us that God isn't going to come through for you? There are voices out there and there are voices in here and they all tell us that God isn't trustworthy, that God's not going to come through for you this time. And that anxiety, as we're talking about, it's based in your past. That time you asked for healing in your life and it didn't happen. When a relationship fell apart and it seemed to you that God wasn't even listening or they didn't even care. When your back was up against the wall and you didn't see any way out, maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're experiencing this very thing right now. Our past experiences with God cause us to wonder, where is God when I need him the most? Where was God at that time when I needed him? In moments like these, this song reminds us that it's not healthy for us to go around letting our anxiety run unchecked. The problem with anxiety is that it's all based in our imagination about what might happen in the future. Our imagination can run wild. We can all create scenarios in our minds where people are going to harm us, which uh, drives our body to create this fight or flight uh, place where we're either going to fight you or we're going to run away from you. Or then sometimes the way our bodies respond to stress, anxiety, and, and, and all of that is that we just give up. We just let it in. We just don't fight anymore. We shift into a place of submission because we know we can't ever win in the scenario that we've created in our mind. And so we just give in to the darkness. 
It's as if our past experiences birth us in fear and we believe that the voice that tells us that the fear we're most afraid of is absolutely going to happen in the future. We're afraid of what happened in the past and so we believe it now in the future. And that fear, that anxiety, it blocks out any other messages that tell us anything, anything other than the fact that God is going to let us down. That anxiety blocks out the the message and the idea that God is good enough. Yeah, he's good enough. God is good enough. He is. We get the message blocked out that God is trustworthy and dependable, that God will make a way when it seems there's no other way. That message never makes it to our head or to our heart because the anxiety is blocked out and we get stuck. Our fear from the past keeps us locked up and feeds our anxiety about the future, and so we stay frozen. We stay frozen as a people. But this trapped state is never how God envisioned us to be. Today we're going to look at the book of Isaiah, the book of the Bible in, uh, that is called Isaiah. And Isaiah is one of those major prophets in the Bible, one of those big prophets. And through his writings, we see that the hand of God is always faithful upon his people. The hand of God is always faithful upon his people. Do the people in the Bible have anxieties? They do. Do they have problems and fears? Yes. Do they face anxiety? Absolutely they do. But through the pages of Scripture, we see that God is always faithful. And we read the verses today from Isaiah 43, uh, 16 to 21, to look at what God says to the people about how they are to move forward despite their fears and their anxieties. And so here, let's read together Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. And, this, and Isaiah says this, I am the Lord God who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and its horses, and I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned, their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and the owls, too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. There's a man named David Gusick, and David is an author, and he's written this about the passage in Isaiah. He says that God is literally telling us here, literally telling us not to remember the past, which I find fascinating. I find that fascinating. There's a switch here in these few verses. In verses 16 and 17, God is saying one thing. And in verse, seven, uh, verse 18, he's saying something completely different, it seems. I want you to pay attention to this. In, in verses 16 and 17, God, uh, Isaiah says this, God's people were told uh, to look to the past, remembering the great things that God did for them at the Red Sea. In other words, that literally it is saying, remember what God did for you at the Red Sea. You were in trouble. The, the Egyptians were chasing you, and they were going to take you out. And God said, I took care of you. I opened the waters. You passed upon dry ground, and then I covered them with the waters, and I destroyed your enemies. God says, I did that in your past. Remember that I did that. That's what he says in verse 16 and 17. But then one verse later, one verse later in verse 18, in the same paragraph, 
they were told, don't remember the former things or consider the things of old, which seems kind of contradictory, right? On the one hand, remember what I did for you in the past, and then the other hand, he says, but don't remember the things of the past. How do we make sense of this? In the verses, it says, but listen, God says, I'm doing a new thing. And so here's what, here's what God is saying to us in this incredible passage of Isaiah. These statements show us that there is a sense by which we must remember the past, all that God has done for us. We should remember the past and everything that God has done. And there's also a point in which we must let go and forget the past. All the things in the past that have discouraged us and defeated us, all the things that have beaten us down, the heartaches and the pain. If we're ever going to move forward into the good thing that God has for us in the future, we have to remember and we have to forget. We have to remember and we have to forget. If you want a plan to deal effectively with your anxiety and the fears that are going to come uh, to you in the future, you have to hold on to all the ways, all the ways that God has provided for you in the past, but you have to release your fears of the things that might come. Remember the ways God has provided and release your fears for the things that might come. Staying stuck in the past will always keep you from the new thing that God wants to do in your life. At the point in time in history when Isaiah was speaking, Israel had experienced horrible things as a nation. Horrible things as a nation. They had been beaten, and they had been completely uh, captured and taken over by Babylon. They were submissive to Babylon and to a whole other nation. They didn't see any way out of the situation. They had been destroyed and obliterated, and their, their people had been killed off, and they were in a tough, tough spot. And if they'd stayed stuck in that never-ending cycle of discouragement and despair and anxiety of being slaves in Babylon, they never would have been able to see the new thing that God was doing. They would have missed the fact that God was with them, even in the hard times, and that God was, even at that moment where they were most discouraged, he was preparing them for their freedom, to release them from their bondage. Because as we read the story, we see that's what's coming. That's what ends up happening to them. We see that on our side. But when they're going through it, they don't see that. They see just the discouragement and the despair. But if they learn to look with their eyes upward and look for the new thing that God was doing, they would make their way through. There are times where we can be so focused, so focused on the new thing and forget everything in the past. We're so focused on everything new that we forget the stuff in the past but more often than not, what we do is we get stuck looking at the past and we never set our sights on the future. We look to the past, and whenever we look to the past, it works against the new thing that God is trying to do in your life. So what is that thing? What is it that God is trying to do? What is that new thing that he's doing in your life? I promise you that God is doing something new. I don't know what you're going through right now. We haven't talked, but I can tell you this, that there is a new thing that God is doing that God is preparing you to go through. I know this because we live on this side of the cross. I know this because we live on this side of the cross. Jesus lived, he died, he rose again, he beat death. Death is not waiting for us at the end, but the resurrected life of living with God in heaven, that's what waits for us. No matter what you face, Jesus is in it with you. His mercies are ever-present. Yes, you have hardships in your life. I guarantee that is true. We all do. You have hardships, and yes, you've had trouble, but you've also had God's grace in your life. You've also had God's incredible mercy 
in your life. Remember these things more than you hold on to the pains of the past. There's a great missionary to China. His name was Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor is said to have had two beautifully hanging scrolls, Chinese scrolls, that are hanging from his mantel place in his house. And there were beautiful Chinese characters inscribed upon each of these scrolls. And on the one scroll in Chinese, in calligraphy, the word Ebenezer is written. It's Ebenezer in Chinese written, which you may remember from last week's message. Ebenezer means, thus far the Lord has helped me. That's what it means. So far God has helped me. So far God has been in this with me. So far the Lord has helped me. And the other scroll is written the word in Chinese characters, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. God will provide for me. Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. Ebenezer is a depiction of God's provision, according to Hudson Taylor. Jehovah Jireh is a depiction of God's promise for the future. These verses are often cited in his biographies and stories written about Hudson Taylor. They're often cited as his kind of anchor verses, his anchor favorites that he would draw from. These words come together, the Ebenezer and the Jehovah Jireh, they come together to create a beautiful picture of God's incredible love for you. They come together to say, God has helped you in the past. Look for what he has done in your past. Look for the blessings of your life. And God will provide for your future. Look for the new thing that Jesus is doing in you and the world around you. He is good like that. Yeah, he's good like that. My God, our God is good like that. He's good. So in a minute when the offertory is being played or maybe sometime this afternoon with a cup of coffee or tea in your hand, sit down and take a few minutes. Take a few minutes and write down how God has helped you in the past. Just a couple of words, a couple of ideas. How has God helped you in the past? How has God provided for you? Uh, To use the, the camp vernacular from the summer, where do you see a God sighting in your life? Where is God alive in your past? Where have you seen God alive and well? When you were sure there was no way out, when there was a predicament that you were facing and, and you couldn't figure out how to get through it, and yet God made a way through. Write down a few moments like this and, and call that your Ebenezer stone. Write it down on a piece of paper and make that your Ebenezer uh, tablet. Something you can look back to. When anxiety rears its ugly head, you look to that and you remember that God has been with you. Your Ebenezer, thus far the Lord has helped me. To this point in time, God has been with me. And then look forward. Look forward to a time when you can see what God is doing, the new thing that God is doing. God is always moving. The Holy Spirit never stays dormant. God is never in one place. He is always moving. He is alive and he is active and he will bring new into your existence. Whatever you are facing, whatever you are dealing with, he will bring new life into your tired existence. Will you have the eyes to see? Expecting, anticipating Jehovah Jireh. Will you expect the Lord to provide for you? Do you expect that? Hudson Taylor was reminded daily of God's provision because those two tablets hung on the mantle of his house. Those scrolls hung from his mantle and they held in tension the past and the future for him. The past and the future, they both needed to look for Jesus in both places. 
He looked for the Lord in both of these documents. These words inspired him. They were a shield for him in troubled times, and they can be for us as well today. Fear and anxiety do not have to have the final say in your life. These emotions can be reduced, and there can be freedom if you let go of the fear of the past. If you let go of that fear of the past and hold on for hope in the new thing that God is doing even now in your life. Taylor was fond of saying, upon Ebenezer's, past Ebenezer's, we will build our Jehovah Jireh. I love that saying. Upon past Ebenezer's, we will build our Jehovah Jireh. Write down where God has helped you in the past. Write down where he's, he's supported you and he's provided for you. He has helped you. Cling to your Ebenezer list and then trust that the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh will provide the new thing that God is doing a new thing in your future even now. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this incredible image of Hudson Taylor's mantle, of Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh, Lord. Words that we don't often think of, that we're even maybe even learning the phrase, the, the, what the phrases mean today for the very first time. But God, I pray that you would take this terminology and it would go deep into all of our hearts, that every person listening to this right now would take uh, these words deep into their, into their lives. And Lord, we would all learn how to live Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh lives. Those words held in tension and that we would live between them each and every day. God, I thank you for your incredible blessings. I thank you that you've given us this day, the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen.